Hey, Z. Hey, Maddie. What's up, fool? <laughs> I get it. Yeah, all right. They're so funny. Uh, what do you know about Felipe Esparza? That he's a comedian. And? That he's funny. And? He's on all things comedy. Did you also know that he won Last Comic Standing? No. Did you also know that he's sober and sobriety is a big part of his life and his comedy? No. Well, then you better listen today because we're talking to Felipe Esparza, uh, host of What's Up, Fool? So, Felipe, uh, welcome to Access Podcast, buddy. Thank you for having me on Access Podcast. Thank in you. San Francisco. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm glad to talk to you, and I was glad to listen to your show today because uh, uh, What's Up, Fool? It made me feel good and relaxed. And the reason I, I was feeling uptight is just I, I was on social media and uh, I got, I, you know, I, I made the mistake of like engaging. And that's always oh, like, there you go. oh, it's always bad news. Could take up your whole day. It is. You know, and I noticed that, you know, you don't get political on on at least that I can see from social on social media. Is that something you try to, you know, stay away from in general? Or, um, you know, do you feel like you address all that with your comedy? Sometimes, you know, um, we we say something in the podcast that's political, but it's not too political. Well, like, we don't take sides. We try to attack both sides. Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that it's great about your show is that you, you keep it light. Today, I was listening to the first episode. I know a podcast is good when I want to jump in and, and I'm like, I'm trying to engage in the conversation with my headphones on. Uh, and you guys cool, were, you were talking about Dukes of Hazard. And and I was just yeah. and I was going off because I used to get so angry that they used code names. He'd be like Shepherd the Lost Sheep, Bo and Luke, are you there? And it's like, why the fuck do you use a, a code name when you say their name right after it, Uncle Jesse? <laughs> I know, right, Uncle Jesse? You like uh, they're right because Shepherd is um, Lost Shepherd is um, Uncle Jesse. Lost Sheep is Daisy Duke, and those two guys, I forgot who they were. Yeah, yeah, and there was just, you guys got into this conversation, and then it ended up going about, like, what was on TV on CBS at the time, and, you know, for people from a certain generation, for me, I was I was so engaged in it, and like I said, I needed that today. I, I listened to it, and I was like, see, this is, the, this, is the, this is what I miss from social media, and this is what I miss from media in general. I don't feel like it's light enough anymore, and, like, I don't hear these kind of cool pop culture conversations. I know. Every pop culture conversation turns political. Like, even if you're talking about Star Wars, oh, I like the old Star Wars. When they didn't, <laughs> when they didn't put any um, African Americans in it or Mexican American actors. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then people start talking about, oh man, I love Star Wars before Disney owned it. And then you go, then then it, then it turns into a uh, a topic about Jewish people. <laughs> it is, um, yeah, it is insane how everything gets gets so politicized and. Um, I mean, is that something you you really strive for to do on the show? Is to, is to keep it light, or you know, or is that just that's just naturally who you are? I think that's naturally who I am. You know, um, like I remember my mom and dad, like during like when they were growing, when I was growing up, you know, we had they had uh, Bush, not not Bush, they had uh, Ronald Reagan as president, and um, then Bush. But I don't I don't remember my mom and dad ever talking about bad about Reagan. Or talking bad about Bush because all they did is go home, go work, come back home, go work, come back home. I don't think they ever even had time time to open the news. 
They don't want to know about the news. They want to be entertained. So my parents would always watch Spanish um, comedy, like these uh, comedians from Mexico. So we grew up watching those shows. But my mom and dad never spoke to us about, like, mijo, you better run home tonight, eh? Because Ronald Reagan is president. They're uh, reporting <laughs> a lot of people. We never got into no topics like that because we just, my mom and dad just went to work. They never, like, sat down and talked to us about anything political. So and then when we were kids, we didn't talk about political stuff. I think the only political joke I ever had was when my seventh grade or sixth grade teacher, she asked us, um, why is there a conflict in Iran and Iraq? You know, why are they fighting? Why is there a war between them? And I didn't know why they were fighting. I'm a kid. So I said, the reason they're fighting is because for years, for years, Iran and Iraq couldn't decide on how to end the 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 lettering and the spelling of their country. Iran said, no, we need to end our country with an N. And Iraq said, no, it ends with a Q. So they won a war over Q and N. See, do you think that, you know, with your, your parents were immigrants from Mexico and reading a lot about, you know, I'll translate this, your, your special, a lot of that is, you know, about translating, you know, for your parents. Do you feel that because... You know, when they, they came and, and they're just working to get by, which is kind of what you were saying, that, you know, there's there's less time to worry about all the other stuff when you're just trying to worry about making sure your kids are, are you know, everything's taken care of. Yeah, there's, there's a lot less time to worry about because first, there's no social media back then. We're not put this way. We're all informed now. Everybody knows everything. There's nothing to hide now. You know, maybe it's a bad thing that we all know what's going on, you know. Or it's a good thing, you know. I like that everybody knows what's going on. But now there's more fights because of what everybody knows what's going on. Like, when I was, like, I would say, like, 15 years ago, we probably wouldn't have not known anything about the the judge from Alabama running for senator. Right. We would have never known that. Only the people in um, Alabama and Mississippi and the South would have known that. That story would have not ever been publicized growing up because it's not interesting enough. We, we probably would have, it'll probably have never made it to the National Enquirer because the National Enquirer and the, was the only magazine that, that actually had fake news, you yeah. know, alternate alternative facts, you know, UFO impregnates a woman in New York City. Now that's the kind of news I used to hear growing up. So when you, you – one of the things that I, I've, I've always said about uh, my friends who are Mexican-American, and I'm from Appalachia, so I'm from, like, small-town, poor uh, West Virginia. And I've always said that people Damn, from – Appalachia. App- yeah, man. Uh, the, the two things that I, I always found in common was this uh, – the, these storytelling abilities and, and, and being funny at doing it because I knew where I grew up, that was, that was entertainment. You know, somebody went to the store, they tell you a 25-minute story about it. Do you think that, you know, your culture and is, is helpful when it comes to doing something long form like doing a podcast where, I mean, it is basically storytelling and, and, and swapping stories back and forth? Man, when I, when I first started doing stand up, I think it's um, storytelling. It's, it's, it's a natural gift. I mean, some people don't know how to tell a story. Without saying, man, you ain't gonna believe this shit. Or <laughs> yeah. most of the most of the great stories I ever heard 
started like this, man, you ain't going to believe this shit. <laughs> and most of the time, I don't believe it. But um, as a stand-up comedian, I was afraid, afraid to get personal and talk to the audience. I never knew. It took me years of failure and bombing to finally like talk to the audience or get off the script and not do the stand-up comedy. I was afraid because I was my favorite comedian was Ronnie Dangerfield and Ro- George Carlin, Richard Pryor, um, Paul Rodriguez. Those comedians, man, I never seen them get off off the script. Ronnie Dangerfield never said anything political on stage or or anything close to a political view. He just wrote jokes like one joke after another. Stephen Wright, another one, just one joke after another. Uh, Mitch Hebert, another one. One joke after another. I think um, the closest to anybody that coming up and being free and talking about stuff was Richard Pryor. But then again, that was an act. You know, um, he made it into an act with thanks to Paul Mooney, who pretty much wrote half of his act. But I'm shy. I grew up shy. So I I would stay to the script. But it, it took me like... I would say in the last seven years of struggling to write new material and forcing myself to be more personal and talk. And I've always, I've always been, I guess I've always been a a great storyteller, but I had, I I did not know. Yeah. Because I would talk at NA meetings, you know, Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholic Anonymous. When I was going to those meetings, I remember talking for 35 minutes and half of it was hilarious. But I didn't know that I was doing um, stand-up comedy. But <laughs> I just thought that I was just opening up about myself because I remember telling somebody a story at Denny's, a comedian named Willie Barsena and Gabriel Iglesias. I said that um, one time this this guy came to my house and he wanted to buy co- um, cocaine, crack, but I wasn't selling crack cocaine out of my house. You know, he found out where I lived. So he, he came knocking to my house looking for crack. And I was going to beat his ass, first of all, for going to my house. Like, who invited you? But I have no crack, and I would never sell it out of my house. He said, I don't I don't have any money, you know. And I, I told him, I don't have any crack. <laughs> no, he told me, I don't have, um, he had money, but I had no crack. So, um, no, he had no money to buy crack. And I had no crack. So I told him, why are you at my house if you have no money to buy crack? And you know I don't sell crack out of this house. He goes, I thought maybe you could loan me the money. I said, what? <laughs> loan you the money. Loan you the money so you could so go buy crack from someone else. So I thought that was a crazy, uh, situ- uh, crazy proposition right there. Mm-hmm. So I told him this. All right, man. Give me $60. I'll give you $60. Three twenty-dollar bills. If you loan me your car for the whole night, so you know I, I gave him sixty dollars out of my pocket. He loaned me his car. He went to go buy crack somewhere else, and I drove his car. And I was drunk when he gave me the keys. Like you see this commercial about don't drink and drive, and then you hand the keys over to a friend. Well, this guy handed his keys over <laughs> to a to a drunk man. Yeah. So I got his car. Me and my friend wanted to go to Venice Beach at midnight. We never made it. I totaled the car. I crashed the car. It was a 71 Cherry 
Impala. Uh. And I totaled it, bro. I mean, I, I crashed hard and I left the car in the freeway and walked out of there with like, with blood on my head and my friend um, were holding nacho cheese, nachos. And when, I, when we crashed, their head almost went to the windshield. But what stopped them, before they hit the, their, their head hit the windshield, their face hit the nacho cheese and jalapeno face. <laughs> they were blinded by jalapenos. Uh, you know. So I left his car there. The next day, he comes to my house looking for the car. And I told him, listen, man, I don't know. You're, you're, we crashed your car. You gave your car to a drug man. I don't know where your car is right now. Here's your keys. Here's another 60 bucks. Deal over. So I, told him, I gave him the $60, and I gave him his car keys back, and that was the end of the story. Wow. That's it. Case closed. He should have come later on to ask for more money, and I told him, listen, man, we made a deal. The deal was done. You know, you, you loan your car with no insurance to a guy who's drunk. I see this guy 10 years later at a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and I'm telling a story. And after the, after the meeting, he tells me, Felipe, I'm the guy you borrowed that car from. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm also uh, in recovery. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a proud friend of Bill W. And I have often said that if, if they could put cameras in meetings – especially in in some of the meetings that I've been in in L.A. and Oakland. I, I mean, that would be like the, the most watched, funniest TV show you ever saw. That should be a show, the, the, a, the AAA podcast or Friends of Bill podcast, and everybody just speaks anonymously in the microphone. It would be great. I, I, I agree with you 100% because, um, you know, and, and let's and just talk about like being honest. You know, I, I, I spent a lot of my radio career doing mornings and being – the drunk guy and the guy that came on and told you the outrageously awful thing I did when I was drunk. But when I got sober, you know, even just bringing it up right now, I still had that moment of hesitation, that little worry. Cause you know, I'm just, I, you know, I'm still, I still wonder are people going to judge me because you know, I'm an alcoholic. I mean, and you're so open with it as well. I mean, but did you ever have a point where like, maybe you thought maybe this isn't, you know, should I bring this up or should I not bring it up? Oh, man, I, of course, I thought about that a lot of times, man, because like, am, am I incriminating myself? Am I going to make myself feel like a, look, look like a loser to my, to my comedy fans who don't know me? Are they going to stop listening to me or because I'm a, I used to be this loser? But actually, the honesty is what grabbed more new people. Like, I know pe- people gravitated to my podcast because the, of my honesty. Like, some of my listeners don't, they didn't know I was a stand-up comedian. And I notice when podcast listeners go to stand, watch me do stand-up comedy, they just sit there and they <laughs> laugh a little bit. Yeah. they take in all the words. Yeah. I, I've had the same experience. Yeah. Go ahead. People don't know alcoholics. Like, I know, I'm glad you told me you're an alcoholic. Like, last week, for example, my wife made um, egg, she was drinking an eggnog, and I had an eggnog. But my eggnog had no rum, no brandy. Her egg, her eggnog, had Presidente. You know, it was, like, it was a good alcoholic eggnog, you know, for somebody who likes to drink. Yeah. But I grabbed the wrong drink. Oh, no. I, I, I drank it, and then right away, the alcohol hit my tongue immediately, like fire, like a strike of match. And I spit it all out. And I, and, I, and I knew right away, when she was having that drink, like the honesty of my alcoholism came out, and I told her, you know, 
what's the difference between you and I is that you can enjoy that eggnog and go and go um, go do your work. You know, you could you could go read a book after that drink. You could go bicycling. You could go think, go do things. But an alcoholic like myself can never do that. I can never drink that and then go hiking or go think about happy thoughts. That drink is going to lead to a thousand more drinks that night, and then I'm going to disappear and not come home till two days after New Year's Eve. Yeah, it's the whole. You know, I, I always tell my friends I, I play the tape out. You know, I know what I know how the tape ends. I, I've I've got a I've got banks of them. I got rooms full of them to go to. Like I know how it's going to end. And I think that 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 moment of fear, though, when you think you, you're going to drink, I still I, I don't know if you have them at all, but I, I I have the I have those. I still once in a while have the dreams where I have a drink and I I wake up oh. and panicked as shit. You, you think that's like um. That that has to be like um what a what a what a like a war veteran must go through, huh? Like, I, I, well, I mean, we're in a way, from the damage, bro. I I would say in some ways it is. I mean, it's I mean, it, it, you know, if you're like you know, it sounds like you were like me. So there was damage done. There was trauma. You know, <laughs> like it wasn't all pretty. It, I have a, I have a friend. My friend. Um, my friend. One of my friends, her brother, he stopped. He recovered. He's recovering right now. But he was a meth head for many years, an alcoholic for many years. And she was telling me that her brother, he just got into stand-up comedy. Like, he was never into stand-up comedy. He just got into, um, I guess he got into um, plants and horticulture and painting and fishing. And I was telling her that when a person stops drinking, his mind goes back to the time when he when he first had that drink, you know, when he when it goes, his your ambitions come back. Yeah, I know. I I tell people all the time, I'm I'm living my 11 uh, year old life because uh, I'm I'm I do like five different jobs and and it's because I can and and, and you know I'm I'm you know I'm open to all those things. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect this to turn into uh, this, but I I like this because. Again, this just gets back to the you know the whole idea of like being an alcoholic means if you're if you're real you have to be honest and you have to be honest yeah. all the time and I think that again that's what we're you know I hear when I do your show and I I, I really um, appreciate that w- with your comedy as well. Me too. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this documentary Dying Laughing. And I'm just, you know, the whole idea of like, I don't think people think about it, about with comedians and, you know, you have the one job where if you have a bad day, you get ridiculed for it. Or you have to face a, a whole room of people that are like, man, this guy sucks. Um, <laughs> I mean, that doesn't yeah. happen in my job. I mean, it does with radio it's, to some extent. But I mean, like, you know, when I have a, you know, I don't go in a business meeting and, and give a pitch. And, you know, when I'm done, nobody like stands up and tells me I suck. I know, man. When you're on radio, you know you suck when you show up and your keys don't open. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. The, radio, the studio. How is that? How have you dealt with that in your career? And it is this something that still happens and bother you? Oh, it does bother me. I think bombing is uh, is something that um, a comedian will always carry with him in his in his life, you know. But as you bomb more, it's how you um, bounce back after the bombing, you know, that where the experience as a stand-up comedian comes out. Because when you first bomb, like my first time bombing, it hurts. It hurt a lot, you know. 
I just stood up there. You know, the your first time you bomb, you freeze. You stay up there. And then your mouth dries up. And then um, you go you go into a trance where the same joke only pops up in your head. Like, no new stuff comes up. Like, you can't even think about anything else to say but good night. But you stay up there. <laughs> and why do you stay up there? Because you don't know how to get off. But the second time you bomb, it's, it's just as worse as the first one. But now you know you got to say good night. You say good night. By the third one, you already know you're sucking up there. Before you, you start seeing yourself bombing before the audience starts seeing your bombing, and and you don't say good night. You know you try to fight it this time. You try to fight your way through it on the third one. You try to fight your way through it, but you can't. You bomb again. By the fifth and sixth time, you bomb. No one knows seventh, eighth, twelfth time, twentieth time. No one knows you're bombing at all. Only you know this time. And that's the hardest bomb ever. When no one knows you're bombing. No one else knows you're bombing. But you know you are. Because the jokes. are. People are laughing at the jokes. But they're not laughing like the last show you did. And man, bombing sucks. <laughs> people don't understand that. Like The best. The, the only person that, could, that said it right. On that um, I'm dying up here. Was Mike Epps. Like. When you bomb, you know, when you bomb, you start thinking about your finances, he said. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, man. Like, the hardest bomb I ever had was in Tacoma, Washington. I mean, I got booed off the stage, and an audience member went up on stage and took the microphone away. And then I, and then I, I, said, I, I, I said something that made it even worse. I said, Chris Rock was right. There's black people, and then there's you people here in Tacoma, Washington. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> That's great. You know, doing comedy live, it's different, I'm assuming, from doing the podcast live. I, I love doing live podcasts. Um, I just, because when you're doing a podcast, you don't get the, you don't get the laughs. You don't get the feedback. Um, and I know, I noticed, you, you know, you do live podcasts from time to time. How, how, how much different is that from being on stage doing comedy? Oh, man. I did a I did a live podcast last night for another comedian, uh, Martin Moreno. Martin Moreno, he's um he hosts for Gabriel Iglesias. He's the guy that introduces Gabriel Iglesias from every from I think the last six specials he's done. Yeah, I know but that guy. Started, yeah, I know Martin. Yeah. A, yeah, Martin. He's funny he as shit. Podcast. <laughs> I can, I gotta so, hear that. I uh, yeah. So he has a live podcast now with his son. Like his son, him and him and his son have a podcast. So that's a lot of pressure. For his son and the, the Martin as a father, because they're gonna talk. Martin doesn't hold back. He's so nasty, and he's saying all this stuff in front of his son. And um, he had a live podcast last night in um, Harvells in Long Beach, California, and that was his first live podcast. And let me tell you, man, everything that could go wrong at a first at your first live podcast, it went wrong with mine. <laughs> because when you do a live podcast. You don't know when to end it. When you do the, the the recording podcast at your house, you know when to end. An hour and a half, you gotta end it. But live, I don't know how. Like we didn't know. He didn't know when. To, we don't know when to end a live podcast because sometimes it gets so good, you don't want to end it. Man, that podcast live podcast last night started at eight thirty. No, it started around nine. 
it ended at midnight. Oh my god. I, I hate and to... it was chaotic, bro. Uh, he brought he had a he had a live he had a dating game. A live dating game on a live podcast with a porn star. And they got out of hand. And then he had like um communion wine. Everybody stood up in line to get a shot of wine and and a <laughs> medicinal bread. <laughs> Jesus. Oh it, my it god. Insane, bro. It was insane. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched the Ding Dong show at the comedy store. Yeah. It was that crazy. Man, I just uh as a as a as a producer, that would drive me insane. Because oh, I bro, I try to produce podcasts I listen insane, to. Cause nobody was listening to the producer. And I don't know if there was a producer there, but it was chaos. Like <laughs> and then I went up on stage last and then um it got even longer because I was telling a story. And I kept bring I kept bringing back one of the guests to back me up. Then we had a lot of people on the on the stage. And then at the end of the show, we got, we brought all the audience on the stage. Man, I think we were gonna almost break that stage. It was insane. <laughs> I don't know how Martin got through it. Do, do you see yourself now as a, as a role model for other comedians doing podcasts? Uh, you know, you've been at it for a while and been successful. Did they come to you for advice, or you just bring them on your uh, bring them on your show to you know kind of give them some some publicity too? Most of most of the the people that come for me for advice are a lot of the the Latin comedians who don't have a podcast who are at, well, always, the main question I always get from anybody starting a podcast. This is the main question I would get. Is it too late to start a podcast? <laughs> no. Bro, it is not too late. It's just the beginning. It's never too late. No. For as far as um for Latinos and, and podcasts, there isn't there isn't that many. I mean, I could count them in my hand right now. Joey Coco Diaz, which is not really a Latino podcast. And then um myself, and then there's the guy from Las Vegas. I don't know his name right now. And um, George Perez, George Perez stories, and the Yo 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 podcast with Martin Moreno. That's five right there. And, and I think um, there's another one out there somewhere else. But it's new. I would say that podcasting is new for the Latino audience. It's like an untapped market, and I'm I'm glad to be one of the first one of the first pioneers. Yeah. Of Latinos to have a podcast because when I think of podcasts. I follow uh, the uh, the main podcasts out there are probably Joe Rogan. That's probably like the biggest podcast in the world, I think. And that podcast is like Oprah Winfrey. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if anybody who goes on the Joe Rogan podcast is going to have a lot of followers. Like yeah. just to mention when Al Madrigal was on the show on Joe Rogan Experience, he mentioned me. And I moved up to number 76, just on a mention. Jeez. I mean, he just mentioned me. When I was on Bill Burr's podcast, I moved up to number 35. Well, Felipe, but, after, after doing this podcast, you'll probably drop. So I, I apologize <laughs> in advance. <laughs> so when you drop, just sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Well, brother, you're going to move up then. <laughs> yeah! I need it. Give it to me, man. Help a guy out. And I, I, I tell anybody, anybody, I tell, I tell like the main people I tell, I give advice to is when I, are club owners, comedy club owners that I run into, like managers. Like I'm going to the Addison Improv. I, every comedy club I, I go to, 
because I some shows I sell out, you know, like but there's other places that I don't sell out, like Florida or any city that calls their police officers constable. I don't do well at <laughs> any city that has um that has um I don't know that that has um I don't know that has that still follow the old British rules in America. I don't, I'm not, I don't do good at. Yeah. Anybody that calls the cops a constable, I ain't going. So you talk to the managers about doing podcasts? Yes. So I, I, I tell the managers, hey, listen, man, I look at the I look at the crowd on Thursday night, right? And there's like, what, 86 people out of 250? When it's really low, 100 out of 300, out of 300 on Thursday? I tell the owner, hey, listen, man, you need to, you, what you need to do is get yourself the nerdiest comedian here in the city that's open micing and the funniest comedian. And you get them both together to do a podcast. The funniest one and the nerdiest one. And every week when a comedian shows up, like myself, you have them on a podcast. Every comedian that performs here every week, that should be a guest on this podcast. And you call it the Orlando Improv Podcast. And the headliner every week talks about his life, promotes the show. You guys fucking share it to all your social media, email it to your email list, and have them watch it. You know, because um, a lot of the club owners right now, they're not pushing the comedy no more. Yeah. Like, yeah. if I go in there, just say I go in there this week, I'm going to do press. I'm going to be on television. I'm going to be on radio. I'm going to be promoting my show. Now, next week, they have Marcella Arguello showing up. And guess what? No press, no radio for her, no TV, only because she has no TV credits. And that's where the comedy clubs are messing up. If you're going to do radio for one comedian, you're going to do radio for every comedian. And don't expect, because a lot of club owners, they expect the comedian to do all the promoting. Well, put them on radio, start a podcast, and you know what? You're going to work in promoting too. Yeah, and you don't see the promotion on the radio as much as you used to. When I when I was doing mornings, we would have comedians on every day, and they'd hang out for an hour. Um, and today, it's like you're lucky if you can get on a show for five minutes. Um, it, it is it is definitely a different thing. And I think that what you're saying for for the owners to do is is what in the business we call a branded content podcast. And it's absolutely, I think it's a great idea. And I think it'd be I think it'd also be good for the comedians if a lot of these clubs put little podcast studios in the clubs because a lot of comedians do podcasts. Make it convenient for them. Come in and do the show from there, and they get a little press that way too. Now, I mean, that, that, there's so many things that they could be doing. Like that's a, that's a great idea, man. Because every comedy club should have a podcast studio, and you you can make money renting it out to the comedian. I mean, the comedy store has a podcast studio now. Yeah, and, and I think the Laugh Factory used to have one, but I think if you're gonna start a comedy club, you gotta have a podcast studio because then you can sell tickets to the podcast studio. Tell me about your vinyl album right now. All right. I have a vinyl of my comedy special that came out on HBO. I have a vinyl that you can um, that you can buy at felipesworld.com slash shop. We only made 500 albums. And this is a, a comedy album, like, not like any other comedy album. It's a double album. So there's two 33-inch records in the album with a poster. And uh, we have some that are limited edition. 
they're counted. And you can also get the CD if you want to get the CD on my webpage. But I do have a, an album, like a record for the hipsters, anybody that has a record player, or you collect vinyl. I got you. I, I'm one of those and hipsters with with a, with a record player. I'm what in. What kind of record player you got? I'm in. You buy the old used one or the newer one? Oh, I got a 1974 audio, uh, 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 tech, uh, uh, Techniques. That's old school right there. Oh, that yeah. Techniques, that's, that that's, the first, that's, what, that's the first techniques where the old school DJs. Wheels of Steel. You buy those at Radio Shack. Yeah, that's what I got, man. So I'll, I'll, if I buy it and I, I come down to L.A. in a couple, uh, sometime, will you sign it for me too? Yes, and also when you buy it, if you want me to sign it, I'll just sign it on. Just leave a little note, and I'll sign it too. All right. I'm in. There's and one. And also, I'm doing the Bad Decisions Tour. It's all new jokes. I'm working on new material, and I'm going on tour with it. I'll be in January. I'll be in Boulder, Colorado, Portland, Oregon, Chicago, New York, and Coachella. In Tucson, Arizona, all these dates, felipesworld.com slash tour or buy the album on felipesworld.com slash shop. And we will Very also nice. put all this out on our Facebook page, Access Podcast. And uh, as your dates come up, uh, support support the man who's been on the show. Before we get out of here, I wanted to I do a little thing. I just just a real quick, I call it three killer questions. If you're up for this, I got three questions for you, Felipe. First one is if you could listen to a podcast featuring anybody living or dead, who would you like to hear do a podcast? Man, I will say Richard Pryor, Mitch Hepburn. <laughs> that would be that would be excellent. Like together, like in the same room, Mitch Hepburn, Richard Pryor, and um Sam Kinison. Oh my God, that, that, those that... three guys in a podcast telling jokes while Mitch Herbert takes a nap. Perfect. <laughs> I could picture Mitch Herbert just napping and just every ten, every ten, fifteen minutes say one good funny joke and pass out again. If you were, um, if you were an actual sandwich, I love sandwiches, so I ask about sandwiches. Um, not not like what's your favorite, but if you were a sandwich and it, it said who you were, what kind of sandwich would you be? I'd probably be the Captain Saberho sandwich. Now, what is that? Oh, man. It would be, um, man, it would be toast. It would be like um, ciabatta bread or some good bread, you know, like um, sourdough bread. No, like some good, like submarine bread, like the French roll bread. With mayonnaise, of course, on one side, mustard on the other side, pickles. And, you know, if I wasn't vegan, I'm vegan now, but if I wasn't vegan, of course, it would be like Swiss, jack cheese, American cheese, and um, ham. I'm hungry. And, um, ham, lettuce, tomatoes, avocado, jalapenos. Yeah, man, like that. But since I'm vegan now, I would just make a, a vegan, um, if I, since I'm vegan now, I would make like the, uh, my, it would be called like the, the Felipe Supernatural Sandwich, which would be toasted wheat bread on vegan A's and um, child cheese, which is vegan cheese, and um, tempered bacon, and vegan turkey on top with pickles on a sweet bread, bro. 
deep fr- and then with melted with cheese and then deep fried it in a batter. There you go. <laughs> How about the last podcast you binged? What's the last one you 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 sat down and listened to a few episodes in a row? I, I don't know. Um, I don't listen. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but the last podcast I would binge it was um the last time I I, I binge a podcast was um Grammar Girl. Oh, really? She's been that's been yeah. around a long time, man. That was like yeah, that's that's like a twelve year old podcast. That's that's interesting that you uh, binge that. Why? Why? I don't know why because last year um, they were breaking down. She had like a holiday special, and they were talking about different different language you know that that we don't use anymore and i got into it because i remember like she was talking about languages and the way and where do the where do the words originate you know like when the word where do the where does the word really come from you know and I, I was interested in that and then later on i started learning new history on words i like history and i never heard history about when words got started and they were talking about, about holiday season like I think she was talking about um, it's the season or tis the season, T-I-S. And then she broke it down why they use tis and who uses this. And and it goes back to um, back then when people were not educated, when people didn't go to work, didn't go to school because um, they had to work. A lot, of, a lot of the words that are used now were made by people who were poor, who couldn't really pronounce the word. Or didn't know the word, so they yeah. started making up their own language, and so I was interested in that. So I started listening to her all the time. I think I follow her. I used to follow her on Snapchat, but she didn't follow me back, so I stopped <laughs> following her. Part of the All Things Comedy Network, uh, Felipe Esparza, and uh, What's Up Fool podcast. You can check what it out. Fool. What's up, fool? Check it out on iHeartRadio. Thanks for coming on, buddy. So, what's up, fool? Again. Yeah, Again. I don't know. I thought it was funny the first time. It was. Uh, everybody, this is Z. Hello. Um, if you're new to the show, Z is uh, my producer, uh, my friend, my former student. Correct. And All facts. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome and to season two, Maddie. Yeah, welcome to season We made it. Season we made two. We made it. We did it. Season two of Access Podcast. Um, it'll be a little different than season one. I, 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 I'm always, Switch it up. I want to loosen it up a little bit this new season. New year, new podcast. So I, Felipe was a great first guest to have on. I, I feel naked when I, when I have a guest that I'm so, when I talk about me so much about, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's always kind of weird to bring it up, but, uh, I think that it's just part of building connections and all right, that. And you guys had a lot to relate to. So yeah, part of it. So I'll, I'll be honest. We recorded that, uh, interview before the break and, I have not talked to Felipe since then, so I'm excited to kind of re because we we ended and we were like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk and you know we'll, we'll hook up and I hope so. I like yeah. him a lot. He was cool. He's like effortlessly funny. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just it just feels so part of him, like he's not really trying at all. Yeah, you know I always say some podcasts you listen to because it, it's like reading a book and you're like you're getting information and you're really into it. And his podcast is one you can listen to and just sit back and like hang. Yeah, because exactly. you're hanging. Yeah, you're just hanging out with him. Uh, all right, so comedy, lots of comedy podcasts out there to choose from. We've got three for you. I think I picked one, and Z, you picked two. We well, you picked one that I don't know, and then one that we both agree on. Let's start with the one that you picked. Tell me about it. Okay, so this is actually a recommendation by our very own Dalton. 
Dalton? Yeah. Oh, that guy doesn't know comedy. <laughs> no, it's called My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And it's just three brothers, Justin, Travis, and Griffin, who... They're, I don't even know how to explain, but they have such different personalities, but they mesh so well together. And what they describe their podcast is telling people how to live their lives because they do it so well. Pinpoint why it's so funny, but it's never an episode that I'm not like dying laughing. So the hosts are engaging? Yeah, they're engaging and they're just so different, but it works well. And they even have a video component of it. And I mean, trust me, guys, my brother, my brother and me. Check it out. All right, doesn't sound bad. Yeah. I'll check it out. Okay. I'll check there it out. Go. Second one, I can tell you, um, we're both fans of. Anna Ferris. Let me just say, Turbo Hottie, I've loved her forever. She's like the perfect she combination is. of hotness and coolness and funniness. She's just a cool girl. Just everything. Like, just, you just want to hang yeah. out. And that's what I like about her podcast, too, because like Felipe, she's really effortlessly funny. Mm-hmm. And what she says for her podcast, it's not great relationship advice. And she has celebrities, and you get to see this different side of them, and she, like, brings out the best in them and, you know, makes them really comfortable. And, yeah, like you said, she's just a cool girl. And she's embraced podcasting. You know, uh, Mm. there are people who do podcasts because they're celebrities and they feel like they have to. She's embraced the medium to the point where she's actually teaching a podcasting class Oh. Uh, I think at Santa Monica Community College they That's did really a, cool. they, or one of the one of the schools in LA they yeah. did a, they did a, like a podcasting class not as good as mine but <laughs> uh, but she was uh, she was teaching it so uh, let's check it out if you haven't heard it before Anna Ferris all right she's great can I can I introduce the third one yeah of course oh, I can't tell you how much I love this podcast it is the first podcast that I ever would have to pause because I was laughing so hard it's called my dad wrote a porno and you have to start at season one episode one you cannot jump into the middle of this and here is the deal this the host of the show jamie jamie found a podcast that or found a a porno that his dad had written legitimately found a pornographic book that his his dad had written his dad who wouldn't seem like he would be writing uh, a porno at all and they read it he and his two friends read it every week and it is, oh, it's so funny. It's everything that's right about British people. Yeah. It's also, <laughs> exactly. um, it, it's just so entertaining and, and how it's evolved. Oh, it's so good. I, we'll play a little bit, but man, and just honestly, go check it out. British accents make everything better. A little bit, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just the way they engage with each other and the little terms that they have. Yeah. It's just funny. Check it out. All right. She's great. Can I can I introduce the third one? Yeah, of course. Oh, I can't tell you how much I love this podcast. It is the first podcast that I ever would have to pause because I was laughing so hard. It's called My Dad Wrote a Porno. And you have to start at season one, episode one. You cannot jump into the middle right. of this. And here is the deal. This the host of the show, Jamie. Jamie found a podcast that, or found a, a porno that his dad had written. Legitimately found a pornographic book that his his dad had written. His dad, who he, he wouldn't seem like he would be writing uh, a porno at all, and they read it. He and his two friends yeah. read it every week, and it is hilarious. Oh, it's so funny! It's everything that's right about British people. Yeah, it's also. <laughs> exactly. um, it's just so entertaining and, and how it's evolved. 
Oh, it's so good. I, we'll play a little bit, but man, and just honestly, go check it out. British accents make everything better. A little bit, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just the way they engage with each other and the little terms that they have. Yeah. It's just funny. Check it out. All right, those are three great podcasts to start off the new year um, as we start off the new year. Did you have a good break, by the way? I did. It was relaxing. I just hung out with my family. What about you? I wanted to do a shout-out. Um, I, I went surfing you I, did. in I Hawaii. You did. I saw And I like, did a good job. I'm going to put a picture up on Access, our Facebook page. I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. I want to shout-out to Jeff. Who was uh he's 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 an East Virginia guy. He's he told me he's from Virginia and I'm like, Oh, well, you're gonna teach you me how, how to surf? surf? I'm like, You're from Virginia. Uh and he was a great teacher. There you go. Shout out to Jeff. I told him I was Hawaii. gonna leave a bunch of Yelp reviews about how bad he sucked just for fun, but <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But uh yo, what's up? What's up, Maui? Oh, I love Maui. I wanna be there now. Yeah, you're very tan. Thank I am a tan man. I'm gonna try <laughs> to stay this way too. Hello, tanning booth. Oh, that's so cheesy <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah, whatever, I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, whatever, I do what I want. Access Podcast, we do what we want. I want to thank Chris Peterson from iHeartRadio for, for making this uh, podcast happen. Also, Dalton, who we mentioned earlier, does the graphics. Casey, who uh, does the music and also helps out with a lot of the production. Katie Wilcox and Don Parker here at iHeartRadio San Francisco as we broadcast from our brand new studio. Woo-hoo! We have a beautiful new studio, and we are looking for sponsor to uh, take it over, and they'll also be sponsoring the show. So if you're interested, just let us know. But our sales staff is out. Uh, they got a couple folks looking like they want to do it. So nice. uh, thanks to everybody that works on the show. And see, thank you for uh, for a great season one, and, and this new season two is going to be fantastic. Excited. I have no doubt. We've got a great show next week. Lindsey Graham, not that Lindsey Graham. No, he is actually the host of a podcast called American History Tellers uh, from the Wondery Network. So it's all about history podcasts next week on Access Podcast. So that's it. Go check out a podcast and share it with your friends and do it now.